This is Brad Julius Adiwubi, and I'm going to I'm going through the Gospel of John in the teaching. So I pray that the Lord will give us insight and more understanding as we go to John chapter 15. Is where we are. We have started from chapter one. We are now in chapter 15. As I said in the previous broadcast, Apostle John, after he has because he lived longer than all the apostles after he has read what Matthew, Mark, and Luke wrote. He most likely have read that before he penned his own gospel. And he put out for us many things that were missing. Actually, teachings of the Lord and what the Lord meant. As well, this, in chapter 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 to 17, we see the last, the, the last teachings in, this, in the last upper, upper room. When the Lord was with them after the Last Supper, and when many things started telling them, he even said that they were not able to bear it now. So that is what we are going through. And these are very essential, especially for we that are following the Lord that are ministers of the gospel, because I believe and I know that when the Lord led me out to go and start preaching the gospel, He, he led me to go and wait upon Him for some few days. And at the end of that three days, he told me to open to John chapter 15 and I started reading when I got to the Bible verse he repeated that to my to my heart that he's sending me out for that and that's what you see in chapter 15 and let's go through chapter 15 step by step I go I just read it and then stop and pause as the Lord leads to give insight or more revelation or insight of what the Lord is teaching us in these chapters okay let's go John Gospel of John chapter 15 from verse 1. The Lord was talking. This is our red letter writings, which means they are all the saints of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not even, not even a question in John chapter 15 from the apostles. He just tossed and taught and taught them. I am the true vine, that's verse 1. And my father is the husband man. Now, right up front, the Lord was telling us the structure, the 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 layout of his church of his kingdom and he said he is the true vine that is the Lord Jesus Christ he is the tree call it a tree a vine call it a vine he said my father is the husband my is God is the one that is taking care of this tree like if you plant a big tree in your backyard and it's call it a vine because the vine is what they use for producing wine or producing that type of a drink so he's saying he is the true vine, spiritually vine. This is a spiritual thing right now talking about. And my father is the husband man, the one that take care of the garden or the take care of the tree, three minutes. And take that is called the husband man. And that's what he means. Say, my father is the husband man. I am the true vine. My father is the husband man. Verse 2 says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. That is the father taketh away any branch. Of the tree or the or the vine 
that does not bear fruit is going to take it away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. So even the one that is not bearing fruit is going to be dealt with in, in cutting it off. The one that is bearing fruit is going to be dealt with in purging it so that it could bring forth more fruit. The purging it could be anything. Whatever you mean by purge. If you have a tree that is, uh, you have a, a vine is what produces all these grapes, small, small grapes. And the vine will always have so many branches. And these branches produce grapes. It's what it, it's a, any branch that is just dormant, not producing grapes, will be cut off. It's wasting, it's just sucking water and not producing anything. So it's cut it off. But the one that is producing grapes or producing fruits will be cleaned. Make it cleaner. If any, if you see anything crawling around, crawling on it, you want to get rid of that crawling insect and that's what purging or if you need to trim it so that it will it will have more all the nourishment is getting is going to produce more fruit you purge more sometimes purging may be to trim some of the branches off so that it is it's not too long sometimes that's what the purging is because when you are when you when you have a tree that you i have so many trees in my backyard right now and regularly we come and trim up all the excess branches that are just producing leaves and we trim them down to a shorter one so that they now produce more, not just strong, strong leaves, they also produce fruits. So that's, that's called purging. If the one that's producing fruit will be purged. The one that's not producing fruit will be cut off. That's what I mean by taking away. So now he's going to compare that to the believers now because he said he is the true branch and we believers, that's going to say the next verse, we believers are his branch or branches. Verse 3. Okay, so the apostle says, now ye are clean. So now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Talking to the apostle, he said that they are clean by the word. See, the word of God is what cleanses us. So ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. Christ is commanding us to abide in him, and he abiding in us. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. Now, let's talk about which fruit are we talking about when it comes to, because it's not referring to this, and it's not just talking about trees, physical trees, it's talking about himself and the people that are part of him. We are the branches, we believers are the branches of Christ. And he's saying, he is the true vine. We are the branches. That's what he's going to say in the next verse. Which is verse 5. He said, I am the vine. Ye are the branches. Christ is the vine, the tree, the stem of a tree. The tree is using the word vine to mean the tree, which is a particular, a particular type of tree, plant. It's called a vine. He said, but we believers are the branches of that tree. And he say, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, that is if the branches abide on the tree, and I in him, because the tree is one that is having the roots in the ground, and produce, bringing the nourishment to the stem of the tree, to the branches, for the branches to produce good leaves and fruits. And he's using that analogy to describe his relationship to the believers, his church. He said, he is the true vine. We believers are the branches off of the vine. He said, if we abide in him, the tree, 
and he abiding in us in his producing the nourishment and bringing it to us in the spirit so we will produce much fruit that's why he say he that abided in me and i in him the same bringeth forth much fruit for without me you can do nothing and that is true very true that is without christ jesus christ in us we can do nothing don't go and be preaching yourself or just preaching about thinking you are doing something for god if you are not in christ and christ is not in you just wasting your time or your effort it's not even recognized by the god because it is only through christ that we are acceptable by god and everything we are doing in for the kingdom of god for the church for all you are thinking you are serving the church or serving it has to be serving christ and christ in us do, using us to do it so if you are doing it on your own not inside christ and christ is not inside you you are wasting your effort and wasting your time is not recognized by heaven it's not recognized by the lord by the lord god almighty so that is why he said without me you can do nothing even the power to perform signs and wonders will not come the the, the power to produce fruit what are the fruits are talking about the fruits of righteousness not just how many people are in your church how many people have you converted that is a form of a fruit but that's not the fruit that is he's talking about every fruit of the of the of of, of the only of the spirit in us is what is more important the fruit of the spirit as you know our own spirit has to produce fruit of love joy peace gentleness kindness meekness those are the things that attracts that attracts the lord the fruit of righteousness holiness those are the the, the fruit that is looking for and when that is showing for the kindness, the forgiveness, the gentleness, the kindness of Christ showing for through us, it will attract other people who want to be like that, who want to be like Christ, who want to be godly. And that also is what he said is going to bring forth others who want to accept him as Lord and Savior. So and that we say we want to go and witness and evangelize, call people to Christ. It will, that also will draw more people to Christ also. But if they see that you, your life does not really show that you are Christianly, they will doubt what you are teaching them, what you are preaching to them, what you are trying to get them to come and take. So that is very important that we have to bear for the fruit of righteousness, which is described in Galatians chapter 5, from verse 22, say the fruit of the Spirit, that's our spirit, is love. Love for people. Joy. There must be a bubbling joy in you that is no matter what is going on you are conf you are confident that the lord will take care of you that's joy in you peace the peace of christ that is not making you to panic when everybody is panicking that peace is what makes you to be solid and that comes from the holy ghost that is already in deposited in we believers and you just let make sure that it is ruling your life the peace of christ is ruling your life and not the environment panic everybody is panicking you have christ with you and he's saying peace be unto you don't be afraid God is going to take care of everything about this to us. And, and long suffering, long suffering, gentleness, meekness, those are all the fruit of the spirit that he, that are all actual branches of the tree. The tree is love, and all those are branches of the love, because God himself is love. But all these attributes, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, kindness, patience, those are all the branches of that love, as we describe it. And Christ is saying, he is divine, we are the branches that should be producing the fruit that God wants to see. Verse 6. If a man abide not in me, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. 
and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Just describing what happens in real life. If, if a tree is, is standing and the branches are not producing anything, the owner of the tree may want to cut off that branch. And that is what he's using to describe it. He said, if a man abides not in me, if you are not abiding in the tree, that is, it's already cut off from the tree, it's going to wither anyway. If the branch, any branch of a tree is, is already dislocated from the stem of the tree, it's going to begin to wither away. And that's what he's using to describe it. He said, it will be withering away. It will be cast forth as a branch that is withering away. And men will gather them when they are dry like that and cast them into the fire. And they are born. That is a branch that is cut off from this tree. We just we dry away and dry up on the ground. And then people just, that's the first one people will pick up to go use for burning or creating firewood. A, a branch that is part of the tree is always going to be green also and wet. And people don't normally go and use that for firewood also. But the one that is already cut off from the tree, and it's lying on the floor, it's already dried. If you very soon it will get dried up, that's why it says it is, it's wither. And then when people come by for looking for firewood, that's the first one they will pick up for firewood. That's the one the Lord is using to describe anyone in him that claims to be a believer, but not abiding in Christ. How do you abide in Christ? Living for Him. The righteousness that He has imputed in us, we must let it show forth in the kindness, in the gentleness, in the meekness. And in the holiness, not that you are the one that is still doing embezzlement. You are not abiding in Christ if you are doing embezzlement. Not that you are the one that is still taking bribe just to make yourself rich. But you are not abiding in Christ if you are still collecting bribe or giving bribe to other people. And so, so those are all the type of things that we make that, that show that you are not abiding in Christ because those are the works of righteousness. If you don't follow those works of righteousness in your life, you are not abiding in Him and then the fellow will suddenly be out of those that will be born. That's what he was saying. Verse 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, I use the example of bribe, and I use the example of uh, you, you are not living right for Christ. As example. Those are just examples. There are many other things that you can be doing that make sure that you that show that you are not abiding in Christ. Are you still participating in fornication or homosexuality or adultery or drunkenness. Those are all things that show that you are not abiding in Christ. Because the life of Christ teaches us to, have, to deny ungodliness. Let's read that in uh, Titus chapter 2. Let me read it as it is written there. Titus chapter 2, verse 11, Apostle Paul described with the grace. Because some people talked well, we are saved by grace. Doesn't, doesn't the Bible say we are saved by grace? The grace of some means we are to do whatever we like. It means this is what how he described the grace of God for us. Titus chapter 2 said, For the grace of God, this grace that we say saved us, the free gift God gave to us to live, to be able to, to be able to live the righteous life. It's a free gift. He gave us a power inside us that just changed our attitude that we are no more interested in the bad stuff, in the sinful stuff. It's the change. But within, it's called this grace. So not that we pay something to get it, not that we do something to be, to be able to deserve it. It is the grace God is giving to those that we ask, that we believe in Christ and call on Him. He give you that grace, the power inside you that will make you to be, to be able to do the will of the Father, to be able to love the righteousness of God, 
love, able to love the goodness and the holiness of God and begin to do it. He said, this grace of God that brings salvation, that's what brings salvation to us. Salvation means we are sure now that we have that grace in us, we are saved from hell, the lake of hell. That's salvation. Verse 11, this title, chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It's appearing to all men, those of men are not receiving it. But we that receive this grace are called Christians. But it's appeared to all men, that's why you are preaching to everybody. Verse 12 says, This grace is teaching us that denying ungodliness, we are to deny ungodliness, all this ungodly behavior, we deny it. That's, no, we, we are no more part of it. That's what denying ungodliness, that's what the grace is teaching us, that we should deny ungodliness and worldly lusts, or this lust for drunken alcohol, lust for this, lust for embezzling money to get yourself rich, to be the most millionaire. These are loss of the eyes, loss of the flesh. You want to be the pride of life. You want to please everybody so that they can they can they can be praising you. These are loss. So we are to deny all the worldly loss and deny all the ungodliness. And as we deny them, we are to live. We should live soberly, soberly. Not not going to the party. You want to be the one everybody wants to be praising you in the dance. I mean, that's you are not sober. Knowing that the end of the world is near, you are not sober. If you are going for the next dance to the party, to the next party, to the next party, alcohol, drunkenness, that's, you are not sober at all. So we should live so badly, knowing that the end is near, boy. the end is near, baby. Let's be sober so that we can think straight and follow the Lord seriously. So think we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So that's what the grace of God has taught us. And we should deny all these ungodly things, all the ungodliness and worldliness. We deny it and then live soberly, live righteously and godly. In this present world, even we are still among them, but we are separate from them, we are different from them. So that's what the grace teaches us. And that's why Christ said in verse, I go back to John chapter, Gospel of John chapter 15, that we, he said, if you abide in me, that's how we abide in him. The, the, the righteousness of God is in us and we are living soberly and we are thinking straight. And we are living righteously because he has given us the grace of God that teaches us that, that we, don't, we don't go after the worldly loss anymore. And we are no more living ungodly. We are now living soberly and righteously. That's what he said. Then we are abiding in him. And verse 7 says, If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, that's the word of Christ I just read, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. So the power to ask, get answer from God is by abiding in Christ Jesus. And the word of Christ abiding in us. This word of Christ is everything that the New Testament teaches us. Someone say, oh, it, the word of Christ is only what you said in, in Matthew chapter 5, all this, Masamon on the mountain, that's part of it. But the word is all the teachings that the apostles taught us after the Holy Ghost came. They are part of how we should live our life for Christ. How we should be sober, that's what I just read. And many more, you have to go through, that's why you have to study the scriptures to show yourself approved unto God. But it said, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. So God is looking for fruit from us. And the fruit is not how many people did you convert. That's not the fruit he's talking about. That is part of it because your righteousness, your holiness, your gentleness, your long suffering, your kindness, we also draw attention, we draw many people to come and come to Christ. But that is the fruit of the Spirit, 
that God really wants to see. To be like him. For you to be like Christ is the fruit. To be like Christ is to be, to have the divine love like Christ has. To be like godly, godly means behaving like God. And God is love. So that's why the fruit we are talking about is the fruit of love. Also. Which also will bring forth many more people to Christ. Even part of the, the effort is to tell them about Christ. That you are able to say that when men ask you what is the hope that's in you, you are able to say it. And by saying to them, they also will come and accept the same hope. So it's part of preaching the gospel to them also is part of the thing that we bring forth fruit. But that's not the only thing. I'm just making you see that that's not the how many people did you bring to Christ? It's not the only thing that is the fruit he's looking for. That is part of it. But the fruit is the fruit of love. That you are you are godly like Christ. You are living the righteous Christ, righteousness of Christ. You are living the righteous life like Christ. That we draw attention, that we draw also men to Christ. He said, let your, let your light so shine before men. It's how Christ put it. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. What's the good works? It's righteousness, the godliness, the gentleness, the kindness. See, they will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. When they are glorifying God, some of them will come to God to also. So that is what the Lord is saying. So shall ye be my disciple. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. So God chose for the love of God to us by sending Christ. Verse 10. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So the Lord says, we are to keep his commandments. Now it's going to summarize the commandments. The commandment is not the Ten Commandments of uh, Moses. It's going to summarize that for us in a moment. Because he says, that's my commandment. Verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. That he wants us to have the joy of the Lord. And what he's telling you is to make sure that our joy will be full. And this verse, his commandment, verse 12. This is my commandment. So this is the commandment of the Lord Jesus Christ to us believers. That ye love one another as I have loved you. So that is the commandment Jesus Christ gave to us that we are to love one another. He's talking about believers, yes, but we also make sure that we extend it to others that are non-believers. We are to love one another. I mean, ready to help one another, to care for one another. That's what he's saying. Love one another. And we are not doing as much of it, but we ask God to help us, forgive us to help us to love one another in the body of Christ. Apostle John wrote this in his epistle, also in first epistle, first spirit of John, I said. That we have, he said that because we love the brain, that's how we have it. That's how we know that we have passed from death unto life. So we have passed from death, which is the eternal damnation, unto life, eternal life, because we love the brethren. That's the proof that we have been born again. That the love of God now makes us to just love the believers. We love one another. That comes from inside, from the Holy Ghost in us. So, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ said, This is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. Verse 13, Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. The Lord Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That's the greatest love. And, he, and Apostle John also said this in his own episode that 
we are to lay down, let to lay down our life for one another. If Christ died for us, and lay down his life for us, we ought to also lay down our life for one another. What, how do you lay down your life for one another? We need to help them. Financially, if they need financial help, we need to help them. Or when there is persecution, we need to defend your brethren. We need to help to provide, to deliver your brethren from all those persecutors as part of laying down our life for the brethren. Verse 14. Say, Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Now, this is directed to the apostles. You call them friends. But we that are believers in this same time, in this last day, we are actually children of God. But he called the apostles friends to make this closer that we are. He said, All that I have learned from my father, I'm telling you, apostles, twelve of them, say, Ye are my friends. So you can say that in heaven, the, the apostles, the 12 apostles, minus Judas Iscariot, so that's why they selected one person to substitute. Those 12 apostles have a special place in the heaven, in the, in the New Jerusalem. You have seen it in the book of Revelation, chapter 21 and 22, where the names of all these apostles were inscribed on the foundations of the city. He said, they are my friends. That is, we came on earth, the Son of God came on earth, and he asked these 12 friends that talked with him, and he's called them, he said, they are yeah, my friends. So, but we that are converted, given the baptism, we are born again, we are his children. We are his children. Remember that? And then the whole body of Christ, we are the bride, the, the, the bride of Christ. So that is how the terminology we use most of the time. Exchangeably, are we children, are we bride, we are part of the same thing. We are his children, we are also the bride of Christ. Because he said we become sons of God, that's why we become his children. His children. But it is supposed to call them friends. Verse 14 says, Yeah, my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Now remember, his terminology for friendship is you do what he commands, not the vice versa. You can he's not going to conform to you. You are to conform to him. So we believers are to conform to the image of Christ. So we can't say, Well, this is what I want to do, is to accept it like that. No, it's not going to accept your lifestyle. You have to accept his lifestyle. That's very important. Verse 15. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my father, I have made known unto you. Now he's talking about the apostles. That they are my friends because I have told you everything that I have heard from my father. So they are no more just servants. Because the, the Israel was called the servant of God. Israel. The nation Israel was called servants of God. So all these prophets are always classified as servants of God. But when Christ came, he's not making us servants. He's making us children, his sons, his children. Then the, the Jews that he appointed, they were like servants of God because they were like the prophets of old. He's not saying, I'm not going to call you servants. You are my friend because these 12 that talk with him, so you are getting from just being servants to friends. So if you have a servant that is really helping you in your, in your house, a house, a house servant, and become so loyal to you, you will be so relying on him and say you say it's like a friend to you, that you can rely upon, not just a servant that you send around any son or send on any other. If he's becoming a closer servant, a very loyal servant, you make him like a, a friend. Somebody you can call and, and confide in him, that's a friend. And a servant can become a friend like that if you trust the servant so much. Also, look at an example of uh, Abraham. He wanted to send a servant to go to his, his hometown in Mesopotamia 
to go and bring a wife for his only son, Isaac. So he called this man and make him to swear that you will do what I say. And that man swore to him and he said, you are going to go to my father's house in Mesopotamia, that's far all over country, and go get a wife for my son. You bring a wife from that woman. The man said, suppose the woman doesn't want to come this far. Say, well, if you go there and my, my, my family member couldn't get you a, a woman for my son, then you are free from this, from this oath. But he was trusting, Abraham was trusting God that they will get him one woman that he will bring to come and marry Isaac, his son. We know that's almost nobody wants to do that among the young men in this generation. But that's the, that's the idea. And Isaac was obedient enough that he waited for that. It was already 40 years, not that he couldn't see anybody in the neighborhood. But his daddy, his father, Abraham himself told him that, no, we are going to be separate from this neighborhood. We are from another place and we are not going to marry any of these Canaanites that are worshipping idols. So don't you mess up with them, don't you look at them. When it's right time, you send to my father's house and bring a wife for you. If Isaac accepted that, and when the wife came, she was very beautiful. And she also, God has prepared that woman called Rebecca. For Isaac. She was for us marriageable age, but she was also chaste and not looking around. Maybe she had been having dreams and visions that some some camel will come and take eye away. Like you say, they all call it Mr. Wright, whatever it is. Somebody riding and uh, what you call it, the nine that will come and riding on the donkey and they'll take you away. So sometimes people have visions and things like that. Maybe Rebecca will be having those dreams and visions. And when the time right comes, she recognized the servants of Abraham and the rest is history. So that was what we are saying. But what I was, why did I go in that direction? Because he, Abraham could rely on that servant and trust that servant so well. He said, That man oh, is responsible for all that Abraham had. He was like the, the steward that controlled all the cattle, controlled all the business for Abraham. So he became almost like a friend. And then he was able to send him to go to Mesopotamia to go bring a wife for Isaac. And Isaac was going to inherit all these things. Also. So that was why I brought that story that said to show that a servant can become a friend. And that's what Jesus Christ was alluding to and said to the apostles, you are, my, you are now my friends. I'm no more calling you servants. I've told you everything my, my heart from my father. Verse 16 of John chapter 15. Jesus Christ continued said, Ye have not chosen me. But I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. That's John chapter 15 verse 16. Now I remember clearly this Bible verse was the Bible verse that the Lord led me to read in the, when he wanted to send me out as a minister. I was still a college student then, but he yeah, started moving upon me, called me to a three-day fasting. And uh, at the end of that three-day fasting, he led me to read this chapter, and I got to that verse 16, and I read to that verse, and he, it was like he was standing next to me, I could hear him, almost audibly, I would have said audibly, but he was talking to my ear. And he, he spoke that Bible verse back to me. That ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. 
he said he said it to my hearing on that day which made me to know he, he was sending me out to be a minister well that was when i was still almost say 1974 but i didn't start being a minister until almost 1977 also but see he was already commissioning me out so that was the bible i said that made a lot to me that bible verse when he said it to my hearing verse 17 these things i command you that you love one another now he's bringing it to every every one of us to, to love one another if the world hates you you know that it hated me before it hated you See, the world the world mean people that you are trying to preach to they may hate you they don't like you to tell them how to, how to live their life or when you tell them how to what they are doing that is sin they may want to uh, slap you they did that for jeremiah too jeremiah was confronting the people of judah that they were away from god god is going to send Nebuchadnezzar to take them away because they don't repent he got mad at jeremiah the prophet and told the king to kill this prophet and the king said well it's in your hand and the gosh made them change their mindset of killing him right away they just grabbed him and throw him into a well to die in the well a dry well but some of the people that saw that this is not right went after that and pulled him out of the well before he died so that was hitting somebody that was trying to tell them what god said that they didn't like to hear so that is what christ was also saying he said that if the world hates you you know they hated me before they hated you that they hated the lord jesus christ because he was preaching to the jews telling them that he is the messiah and they said this man is false and they want to kill him so that's why they hated christ and he said they will hate you also when you started preaching that jesus christ is even though after jesus christ resurrected and went away these apostles started preaching that jesus christ has resurrected they hated that they didn't want to even try to cover it up they said well this thing is not not to be not to be told anybody he said, well, suppose Jesus Christ show himself to them and say, I have resurrected. They may want to arrest him again also. Because he said, this man is something. So that is why he said, if the world hates you, they will hate me already. That's why they will hate you. Verse 19, if you are of the world, the world will, have, will love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hated you. Christ has chosen us out of the world. That is, we are not of this world. So it shows us to separate ourselves from the world, world of ungodliness, world of iniquity, world of drunkenness and alcohol and so You are no more participating in those things. You look strange to them. Verse 20. Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my sin, they will keep yours also. So the Lord is making it plain before the apostles get to be the one to be preaching. That if they persecute me, they will persecute you. If they keep my watch, then they will keep yours. So don't be surprised when they persecute you. That's what he's saying to them. Don't be surprised when you give your life to Christ and your family member that don't want to be told how to live their life, wanted to get you out of their family house. Don't be surprised. Just know that it is part of the package. Like God has called us out of darkness into light. When darkness and light meet who disappear darkness after withdraw light overrides darkness is a bit darkness will put up a fight so that is what normally happens when somebody say i remember when we were preaching in nigeria back in nigeria a young man that was formerly a muslim and he was in high school and he, and he gave his life to christ and his parents became to began to persecute him 
But his decision actually also was trying to tell his parents that the practice they do is wrong. Because this, he, 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 this young man confided to me because he, he, I was I was college graduate, he was just high school kid. And this young man told me that his parents have a practice that he knew that it's not right as a if he's a Christian. He, doesn't, he didn't want to be eating the food because they have a meal, what's called a flour meal. And he said the flour meal that they were helping people to to grind their yam flour, potato flour, bean flour, or, to, or pepper and tomato, they grind it. He said, but this parents steal some of it. After they grind it, they will take a, 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 a bowl of it and keep it for themselves. And that's what they feed on. And the boy knew it, when he was part of them as unbeliever. He knew that's what they do. They, they didn't buy the, the yam powder, maybe it's a, a whole bag of yam powder. It's about a bucket it's kept for themselves. Or they help somebody grind a whole um, bag of, a, of a potato flakes. But they keep about a, a bowl or two for themselves. That's the whole family is feeding them free. After they even charge the people that they have already paid for the grinding. So he participated in that when he was unbeliever, when he was part of them. Now he gave his life to Christ and he was now born again. And that began to come to him that, see, what we were eating in the family was stolen. And he told his dad, and his daddy got offended. He slapped him around and he never said that that's how I pay your school fees. <laughs> that's how the daddy got offended that. That's the same thing you say we stole. That's how I pay your food. That's how I put food on the table. That's how I pay your school fees. Don't ever tell me that what kind of a become holy, holy person. Get out of my house. That was what happened for high school kids that wanted to live right. Because people thought, if you don't do this, it's like, like, I'm, it's like bribery and corruption. They thought, well, if I don't get this bribery, I won't be able to pay the school fees. But if you take your hand off of bribery and you follow Christ, God will make a way for you that you will not lack. But see, the unbelievers don't know that they think the bribery thing that they are collecting is good for them. Whereas, Bible said, when you are a thief like that, everything you are Collecting, you are going to be putting in the bag of holes, holes, where you'll be using to pay for hospital bills for somebody that's sick. When you, that God could have blocked that so that there will be no need for giving money to the doctors when you are not sick. There will be no need for buying medicine when you are not sick. But the money you are, and they will think, well, if I don't have this money from this stolen money, I won't be able to pay for this hospital. If you are not stealing the money, the hospital will not be coming. The sickness will not be coming. That is what people don't realize. Because God said, I will block all those holes for you when you fear God and do God's work first. The people will think in their mind that, gee, the money they just got from this stolen money or from bribery, if they have not gotten it, they wouldn't have been able to pay for the hospital be. It's the reverse, praise. It's the reverse. If you have not been putting your hand in that corruption, there will be no need for hospital be. That is the law of the, of the Bible. That is the law of God. He said there is a cost. That is put upon the earth. He goes to the house of a thief to smite that house. He will use the stolen money to pay for, 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 the, for the doctor's help when they don't when the children have been that case. That's why God said we should live righteously. And then he will be our, our father and defending us. Let's go on in chap John chapter 15. We are reading from verse 18. Verse 19. If you are if you are of the world, the world will love his own. But because ye are not of the world, because ye are 
I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hated you. Verse 20 says, remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will pursue, also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake. Because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, if I have not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no clue for their sin. Let's say if you have not come and preached to the Jews, they, they, will, they will have no sin. Now he has come and preached to them and they hated what he was preaching. Then he said they have no cloak, no cover for their sin. Verse 22 said, He that hated me hated my father also. He said, Where he that hated us hated Christ Jesus. So that is a warning for Satan. He that hated us hated, hated Christ Jesus. Satan that's hating we, people that preach the gospel, you hate Christ and Christ is going to judge you. He that hated me hated my father also. And he that hated Christ hated God Almighty that created everything. Verse 24. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen the seed and hated both me and my father. Lord Jesus was indicting the Jews that did not accept him. He said, if I have not come to show the signs and wonder that nobody has this, this type of miracles. He said that if I have not come and done those miracles before, then he said they will not have any sin. Now they have seen all those miracles. They saw some of the Lazarus was raised from the dead. That's that's a great miracle. Never done before. Never done before in the human race. Or well, somebody that is dead in the grave for four days. Not just dead and they are still trying to bury him. They already buried him for four days. And by that time they know by the third day it should begin to stink. And Christ called this dead person back to life. He said, No no nobody has ever done that before Christ came. I mean, after Christ came, it has not been done like that since also. Where Christ has been giving signs and wonders to show through his, his believers and other people are in the mortuary and they are called back alive in our generation, even right now, through the name of Jesus Christ. But he said, he has come and done that miracle before the Jews and they still hated him. So then they have no cover for their sin. So they have seen all those miracles. They both, he said they have seen it and they both hate me and my father. So that's what he was saying, verse 24. Verse 25. But this coming to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. They hated me without a cause. Verse 25. So they hated him without a cause. They don't know why they just don't like this Jesus. Without any cause. They hated him without a cause. And the Lord Jesus Christ gave a parable. When he was preaching, I think you see that in some of the letters of Matthew or, or in the Gospel of Matthew or Luke. The Bible where he said, a man that went on a journey and asked a, a tree, a fig tree, or he sent his servant to come and get the fruit of that fig tree at the, sea, at the season. And then the people that were, that, that he, he, he said, he, he, he loaded out this fig tree or this garden to these people that are farming it. And they saw this, the servant, they didn't give them any fruit, they beat the servant up. He sent another servant, the kid one, they beat another one. He said, the, the, the owner of this fig tree said, what will I do? I will send my only begotten son. Maybe they will reference him. And when they saw the son of this owner, 
they collide and say, this is the heir to, the, to this man's field, farmyard and garden, or the victory. They say, let us kill him, so that the victory will become ours. And that was the parable Jesus Christ gave to the, against the Pharisees that wanted to kill him. And that's, I said, they hated him without a cause. That was a, they hated him without a cause. And that was prophesied in, in a parable by the Lord Jesus Christ that they will kill him, this, the owner of the, of the vineyard, the owner of the fig tree, the son of the owner of the fig tree. Verse 26 of John chapter 16, John chapter 15, verse 26. But when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you, talking to we believers, from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me. The Holy Ghost was sent to testify of Jesus Christ that yes, Jesus Christ that this Jews crucified is the Lord. And the Holy Ghost is given to we believers so that it helps us to preach with confidence, with boldness, and to do the signs and wonders. Verse 27. It's, and ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. That is, you telling the apostles, the Holy Ghost will come and testify, but you, be, apostles, also will bear witness. The Holy Ghost is going to be using the apostles. The Holy Ghost is not going to manifest physically and be talking to people. It's through the believers, it's going to be telling the people that Jesus Christ is the Lord by showing the signs and wonders and also giving the utterance to the apostles that are preaching. And it's still doing the same thing through we believers and um, ministers of the gospel up to today. The Holy Spirit is given to us so that we have the boldness, we have the anointing, and the wisdom, and the, and the intelligence, whatever you call it, the word that you have to speak. Say, we give you the word to say. It's part, part of the word of the Holy Say, give us the utterance. So that is what Christ said that the Holy Ghost will come and testify of Him. And that is being done up as we continue to the end of the world that we that have that our Savior Christ will fill us with the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you Lord will give you insight as you go to the, we continue this in chapter 16 in next broadcast. God bless you. Amen.